Are you a writer or coach? Do you dream of building a successful online business? Are you tired of hearing the gurus tell you that you need a big launch or a complicated funnel software? Whether you're struggling with self-doubt, imposter syndrome, or just feeling overwhelmed by too many choices, I can help. Hi, I'm Jonathan Milligan, author of Your Message Matters, and I recently put together a free on-demand video training called How to Build an Online Business as a Writer or Coach the Low-Tech Way. Inside, you'll discover the low-tech system that 30 x my online business. Just go to freetrainingvideo.net to get started. Again, that's freetrainingvideo.net. So I have a question for you today. Have you ever struggled with pricing your products and services? Have you struggled with an online course that you've built and how do I price it so that people buy it? If I price it too high, no one will buy it. Or if I price it too low, I'm kind of giving away this information. Or how much should I charge for my coaching or my expertise or my consulting? Well, we are going to dive into that today and you are about to learn from Kirk Bowman. He is the uh, founder of artofvalue.com. He also has a podcast talking about art of value. And I absolutely have enjoyed learning more about this topic. You see, there's two ways you can really price things. You can do it by hourly billing, which a lot of people do, or you can value price it. Now, that may be a new concept for you, but when Kirk made this switch, he literally saw a 56% increase in his business in the first year. By the second year, on top of that increase, he saw another jump of 79% revenue increase in the second year. So I'm excited to dive into this topic today. So hey, Kirk, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. You know, we've gotten connected recently through some mutual friends, and it's been good to get to know what uh, you're all about and how you are uh, really reaching out to to people and helping them in their business, helping them think through this idea of pricing. And so I'm excited to cover this topic today because I get these questions a lot. Uh, as I was kind of telling you before the recording, uh, inside my university, I hold a monthly office hours call. And one of the questions I get a lot from people, especially bloggers or speakers, people who are trying to build this online presence is they're trying to get their mind around their pricing, whether it's pricing a product that they're going to sell, pricing their coaching and consulting practices and or an event they're trying to hold. They just, they oftentimes like I've done in the past, Kirk, is I really undershoot myself and I just lowball it. Um, or we're just trying to get our mind around, is it better to do hourly pricing or, value pricing, which I know that you talk a lot about. And so we're going to dive in and talk about that topic today. Sound good? Sounds real good. Let's get started. All right. So I know back in 2009, you kind of had, um, you could call it an aha moment, or at least it was a moment of investigating further the way that you were doing things. And you were on a panel at a conference, if I remember right. And and there was, you know, this hourly pricing, value pricing kind of conversation, which then led you later on to kind of dive headlong into researching and studying out value pricing. Can you kind of walk us a bit through that journey? Sure. So 
I would simply say it was an epiphany for me. It really was one of those moments where you look back and go, nothing's been the same since. Hmm. So I've been in software development for 20 years. And so this would have been about five years ago in 2009. I organized a panel at an industry conference on estimating and billing practices for software developers. And I actually not only organized the panel, I participated. There were four panelists. I represented the hourly billing position. And at the time, I thought, you know what? Everything we do is custom. The only fair way to price this must be by the hour. There was somebody else on the panel that took a position of value pricing. And he said one thing as he was explaining what value pricing is that really resonated with me. He said, if you bill by the hour, there's an artificial limit on your income. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I grew up on a family farm. I've seen my grandfather and my uncles and my dad all run their own business. And so the idea that anything I was doing would limit the amount I could make really haunted me. And that started me on a journey where I got back from the conference and I started intentionally reading and studying value pricing to see if there was something there. Hmm. Okay. So let's define this because there might be some people listening who want to know kind of clearly the difference and maybe we can kind of lay that out in a little bit more, um, a little bit more of an understandable format and they may already have the understanding of the two. But can you explain or kind of define the difference between hourly pricing and value pricing? I can. Um, To me, it's really like oil and water. They don't mix. They're not anything alike each other. So let's talk about hourly billing for a second. By the way, I, I choose the word billing instead of pricing because pricing happens before the work is done. Billing happens after the work is done. And so if you're charging by the hour, you are billing, not pricing. So with hourly So with hourly billing, we basically say, okay, my rate is X, and I'm going to determine a price. It takes me 10 hours, so it's X times Y, and that's the price. It's actually a Marxist idea, and I'm talking about Karl Marx. Now, Karl Marx, the idea didn't originate with him, but he's really the one that gave it momentum, and it led to communism, which is the idea that what something is worth is the inputs that go into it. Okay, it's the amount of raw materials, it's the labor, etc. So this idea that what something is worth is based on what goes into it is, is really a fallacy. There's just no basis for it at all. Now, I did a separate show on, on my podcast um, called The History of the Billable Hour, where we actually spent an hour laying out where did hourly billing come from. And I'd encourage your audience to check that out um, because it's really illuminating. But the bottom line is how long something takes is irrelevant to the customer. The only reason they talk about hours is because we train them to talk about hours. What really matters is the results. And so when you get to value pricing, value pricing simply says the most important thing is the value. Another way to say value is customer success. What's most important is the customer success. Not what are we doing, but what is the result that the customer is going to achieve from what we're doing. And so we focus on that, and then we set a price that's a fair return on ROI to the customer. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah, and that makes sense. So how can we, um, I guess, how can we kind of break this down to some practical tips for value pricing for those who are coaches or they're trainers, they're consultants, they're 
you know, maybe up to this point, they've been doing this billing, uh, hourly billing model. And so what are some tips to help them see value pricing, how it can be used in their coaching training or consulting practice? So value pricing is not a technique. It's not even a strategy. It's a philosophy. It's a business model. Um, So I would say, first of all, you have to make a commitment to value pricing, 100% all in. And that's why I spent 90 days studying it before I made that decision. But I don't think you you can bill by the hour on one hand and value price on the other. Um, A lot of times confusion that surrounds value pricing is because people are trying to use value pricing as one method of pricing along with some others. And I think you've got to be all in or it's just not going to work. Now, you mentioned earlier probably the biggest limitation is that most people underprice themselves. It's human nature. So the first thing value pricing needs to address is do you believe you create value? To what degree do you believe? Have you ever thought about the value that you're creating for your customer? That's where you have to start. In fact, I outlined there's four steps. So the first one is believe you create value. The second one is discover value from the customer's perspective. The third one is create options for the customer, give them choices. And then the fourth one is actually start pricing, start setting a price. Okay, so... Practically speaking, I'm just thinking about the the options. So if somebody, let's say they are a, um, let's say they're a financial coach and they've got a financial blog. And so they have a page on their site that is talking about, um, these are the different ways you can work with me. And maybe there's a um, three different options that they make available where it is a, um, a fixed price that you pay up front in order to obtain a certain result based on what package you choose. Is that, am I getting my mind around how that can be played out or is there more to it? Well, you've got to think about value pricing in a couple of different ways. Okay. You can value price custom services, which would be individual coaching, uh, custom development, where you are tailoring what you're doing to the specific individual. Then you can also value price products or even what you may have heard referred to as productized consulting, the idea where you're basically creating a package for somebody. You can do it in both instances, but the way you approach it is different. With custom development, you're really going to take the time to understand what is the success the customer's trying to achieve, what is the financial impact that's going to have for them, and then set a price that creates a fair ROI for the customer. And you do that for every individual customer because every situation is unique. We call it pricing the customer, not the service. When you're pricing products, you're doing the exact opposite. You still have to understand value, but you can't focus on the value of one customer. You have to focus on the value of the customer as a segment. And you might actually have different segments. And the challenge here is it's easier, in my opinion, to price custom work than it is products or packages because when you're trying to offer something that's standardized, you have to have a broader understanding of the value and you're trying to set a price that's going to work for a larger group of people. And so they're two separate ways of approaching it, although they both are based on the same concepts or principles. So the first question is, what are you trying to price? Is it custom, specific work, or is it a product or a package? Gotcha. And those are good questions. 
to wrestle with first. Um, so you were talking a little bit about uh, more of the product side. How about those who, you know, I was just got off the phone with somebody less than an hour ago, and he is creating this online product that he wants to launch to his audience, and he's been working on this for a couple of months, and he's wrestling with pricing. He's looking at it. He's, you know, maybe or maybe not kind of evaluating what the return would be on somebody who took action on his product or his course. So taking that or taking like a live event, if you want to host a workshop or a live event, kind of getting your mind around pricing in terms of that, would some of the same principles apply or are they a little different? Yeah, I think the same principles would apply. I mean, one thing we could do if you're up for it is we could literally do a role play of this situation. Um, where you're kind of stepping in the role of this individual, mm-hmm. and then I'm kind of acting as a consultant, asking questions, kind of helping figure out the pricing. So that would be one way to approach it. Yeah, we can do that. I may not know all the answers to what he would have, but basically what what he is doing is he's got a list of people that he's been building, an email list, and people have gained value from some of the blog posts and the podcasts that he has been putting out there and it's on this idea of networking and he wants to create and build this course that helps people understand like the very very basics of networking for people who hate networking what is the conversation like you know what do you say to keep the conversation going how do you follow up with people and so he's kind of building this this uh, course because he believes, which I believe is also true based on my experience, that you know your business grows as you network and get to know more people. And so that's the kind of course that he's trying to put together is a real practical course people can take to kind of get them over their fears of networking. Does that help? It does. I just might ask some follow-up questions to go a little bit deeper. So why are these individuals fearful of networking? I would say in his case, he feels like a lot of his audience considers himself introverts. And so it's not natural for them. They don't feel like they see everyone else who's doing the networking and they don't think that they have the ability to do that or they don't have the the tools they need to be confident enough to, to step out of their comfort zone to do that. Okay. And what is the difference for them if they're able to go from a place where they either cannot or will not network now to where they do and they do it effectively? How's that going to impact them? Well, I think more opportunities come their way. I think they uh, have the potential to either uh, grow in their career or expand in their business because of the um the, the opportunities to get more people or to get in front of influencers who have the audience that they would need to grow their grow their business or their career. Okay. So if one of these particular individuals, and, and so you probably understand the idea of you know, customer profiles or personas, so let's mm-hmm. just call this Fred, okay? So if Fred's able to make one significant connection and let's pick the business Fred's in. So let's say he's in, you mentioned earlier, you know, financial coaching. If Fred makes one influential connection at his next conference, what is the potential, and I know we're guessing, but let's kind of describe, what's the potential 
financial impact on his business over the next three to six months from that one connection? Well, obviously kind of guesstimating here, but, you know, let's say it brings along 10 clients um, for for him and each of those may result in a couple thousand dollars a month. All right. So just to keep it easy, 10 new clients at $2,000 each. Yeah. So a $20,000 return. Mm-hmm. I think anybody would pay $2,000 to make 20. Mm-hmm. And you could literally write this up on your sales page. Now, I'm not a copywriter, but I understand the concept of copywriting and sales letters. And so that's how I would approach this, right? What is the customer persona? And ideally, you know, interview some of these people. I mean, typically, if, if this individual is going to offer the service, he probably has existing customers who are asking for this or people who make comments on his blog or send him emails. So go ask them. Say, hey, I'm thinking about offering this. Can I ask you three questions, right? And those Mm -hmm. questions could be, you know, like, what's your biggest challenge? If we were able to solve that challenge, how would that financially impact you, right? And what's the time frame you'd like to see that in or whatever? But keep it to three to five questions and get that feedback. So you see what I'm doing here. I mean, obviously, we're role playing and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're kind of making some of this up as we go. But what we are doing is we're thinking about what is the end result this person needs to achieve? Why do they have the problem in the first place? And then what's the financial result that if we can solve that problem, it's going to have for them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's great advice. And I think that's what happens is what what I often hear, and I know I've had this thinking, especially early on when uh, I was starting to create my own income streams in the very beginning, is we we have a tendency to think, well, what would somebody pay without actually thinking about the ROI that you talked about? And, uh, you know, we, we start thinking of threshold of, well, maybe I should price it at, at $97 because, you know, that would be what most people's comfort level would be for something. And so we, we kind of look at this thing, completely flip it on its head, and we don't really take into account what they're, what they're going to get from it. And I know, Kirk, because I've, I've, I've been guilty of this. I've had someone pay me for my time, um, and I've walked them through a process, and then I unleash them, and then I get off the phone thinking, if they just implement what I gave them, uh, I totally should have charged a lot more because I didn't think about the fact that you know, what the, the information I gave them can be revolutionary to their business. An example would be, um, you know, I told you earlier that I have a membership site. And so I've got, you know, several hundred paying members, and that is a recurring income in my business. And so for me to, um, for me to spend some time helping someone else set up their membership site, you know, if they go and take what I implement, that's a huge gain for them. I mean, it could be you know, a $50,000, $60,000, dollar revenue into their business. And I know that I've sold myself short in the past. Exactly. I mean, I think of our mutual friend, Carrie Overbrunner. You know, Carrie charges $5,000 for an author elite program where he coaches people on how to get their book published. And when you begin to think about it in the return that having a book out there can be, $5,000 is a bargain. Hmm. And that's... That is the 
framework that we're talking about is looking at things from what is the end result the customer is going to be able to achieve. You've got to help them see that so that they look at this as an investment. And any time a customer shifts their focus from cost to investment, they are willing to spend more because not only do we undercharge, but customers undervalue. Yeah. That's so true. So you may have kind of, you know, laid this out for us already. Um, and if so, maybe we could just go over it again. But do you have any kind of formula or model to help someone think through this value pricing? So I love that question. Um, and here's why. I, in fact, I just tweeted this today, and I had no idea you were going to ask this question. But I basically said value pricing requires a judgment call. There is no formula. And most people make judgment calls all the time for their customers, but where they're scared is to begin making those judgment calls for themselves. I see this all the time in the legal profession. Lawyers make interpretations of the law about how a case is going to go, about what a judge is going to say, what opposing counsel is going to do, and yet they want to bill by the hour because they're scared of the uncertainty. They're not willing to make a judgment call and set a price for their customers, which mm. I think is a huge fallacy. Fortunately, the risks that most other entrepreneurs are taking are not the same ones that lawyers are taking in most instances. So the bottom line is you're already doing it. Apply a skill you're using to your own situation. It just feels uncertain, creates that fear, right? Hmm. So there is no formula. Get ready to make judgment calls. Now, how do you get to that position? Well, first of all, I think you've got to commit to studying value pricing. How do you do it? Well, you read books, you read blogs, you listen to podcasts, and by the way, I know a great one, artofvalue.com, shameless plug. <laughs> but the bottom line is study and educate yourself, okay? And then you're going to walk through those four steps I talk about. First of all, you've got to believe you create value, and that's where most pricing issues start, is the person, as you said earlier, you, you just did not realize what you're creating, what the value is, or you didn't think about it. So you've got to start there. Once you believe it, then you have to investigate it from the customer's perspective. And a lot of times that is getting really good at communication skills. So, so step one, believe you create value, is really a confidence and it's an introspective view. Discovering value from the customer's perspective is, is you know, it's, it's external. You've got to be able to put yourself in their shoes. And how do you do that? Through conversation and asking great questions. One of my favorite things is just collect great questions. Uh, one, of the show, one of the questions I ask on my show a lot of my guests is, what is one of your favorite questions to ask in a value conversation? A value conversation is simply when you're visiting with a customer and you're asking about what is the result they're trying to achieve? How's it going to help? Once you've done that, then you're able to kind of go. So those, those first two things are kind of strategic. The mm -hmm. next two things are really tactical, which is the options and setting the price. Okay, so for some people, and I know I've done this in the past, and I know others have done it, and I don't. I'm just curious what you what your thoughts are because I'm sure you've been asked this question that I'm getting ready to ask. Where does or it, or should it at all? Where does looking at what other people are doing play into that? For example, competition. You know, so if. You know, we were talking about a live event. So if you want to host a live event, what are what are other people that are kind of in that same niche charging for their live events? And is that even something to consider? Or again, does that get us away from value pricing? 
So I kind of come down in the middle on this one. My first answer is you should not be looking at the competition first. You need to look at what is it your customers are going to be able to do as a result of how you're going to help them and what's a fair ROI. At the same time, you can't ignore the competition. But I would look at the competition as a later step, not a first step. Mm. And this is one of the reasons I hate hourly pricing is, you know, how do you set a rate? Well, you go, okay, Johnny's better than me, and he charges $85 an hour, and Sally is not as good as me, and she charges 50 so I'm going to set mine at 65 <laughs> Whoever said that hour is worth $65? It makes no sense. I mean, what's the value of 50 minutes in the shower where a product liability attorney thinks of the way to solve a million-dollar liability lawsuit? What is the value of that 15 minutes? Huge. It's way more than any, you know, multiple hundreds or even $1,000 per hour rate. So this idea that we can set a number on what a block of time is worth is irrelevant. I can create $5,000 worth of value in five minutes, and then I can spend five hours on something and not create a single dollar. It, you know, there, no two hours are the same and, and the amount of value created. So that's, that's why I'm so fanatical about this. Awesome. Well, you've delivered some great tips today, and I know this is going to be one of those podcasts that you have to listen to and re-listen to to get a lot of those tips down so that they can help them think through their pricing and how they're doing it. And so before we go, though, I want to make sure that everybody knows where they can follow you or learn more about what you're mm -hmm. up to. So if you'd share that with us, that'd be great. Sure. So first of all, the best way to find me is the website, artofvalue.com. That's where you'll find the podcast. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes. You can also find me on Twitter, at Art of Value. A couple of things I'll just make your audience aware of in case they're interested in this topic deeper. First of all, check out the shows. We've got 40 episodes currently and adding one a week. But in addition to that, we also offer individual coaching sessions. And then I'm also starting a value pricing mastermind group. Now, this is going to be a group. It's a paid group, but it's a group where I'm going to be facilitating the group, basically trying to start a group where you have people that are interested in value pricing who realize that the power of a mastermind is going to help them get to where they're going much faster. And so if you're interested in that, check out our website, contact us through our contact page. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Kirk, for being here. And thanks for sharing a wealth of information to the Blogging Your Passion listeners. It was a pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care.